listening to Train of Thought, a podcast of the Biblical Christ Research Institute. Today's topic, Initial Thoughts on Black Liberation Theology. Let's get into the discussion. Alright, so episode number four. Man. (laughs) Episode four, here we go. About to venture into an area that's uh, creating a lot of heat right now, but we need to address it and we need to deal with it. I know that I've, I've listened to some other podcasts that have dealt with it, but um, I think even though these other podcasts have dealt with the issue, we still need to add our thoughts to it, provide another angle. Um, Hopefully you'll hear a lot of things that you haven't heard on other podcasts, but again, this is train of thought. This is the podcast of the Biblical Christ Research Institute in in this episode and in the upcoming episodes. Don't know how many yet, but in upcoming episodes and this one, we're going to be talking about Black liberation theology. Uh, We're going to be breaking down a lot of things. So it's going to take more than one or two episodes. And we hope that you all endeavor to listen to all of them, even if you don't agree with what we're saying, at least give it the hearing uh, that it deserves. Um, And so we're going to get into that. Uh, Today, we're just going to do some initial thoughts on um, Black liberation theology and uh, we'll probably get into a few scriptures as they come to mind. Um, But we're really just going to be sharing our thoughts today and uh, in subsequent episodes, we'll be getting into uh, James Cone. We'll talk about uh, liberation theology, the history of it, starting with South America. So we're, we're going to be try to be as thorough and as in-depth as possible. Um, we know there's a lot of questions, a lot of angles, and it seems like there, with each passing day, there's more and more ideology that gets added to it, like intersectionality and all these other things that white guilt, white privileges, and all these other things that just keep getting added to it. So it becomes this big beast that, um, so we we may not be able to deal with all of it, but we're going to deal with as much as we can. And we're going to deal with it from a Christian worldview and from a biblical worldview. Uh, But again, like I said, today, we're just going to be sharing our thoughts. Duran and I have been talking about it for weeks, probably months. And uh, we just felt like we needed to go ahead and hit this hard and uh, and get it out there. So, uh, man, where do we start? Where do we start, brother? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you said it. I think I think to deal with this movement, you don't, you know, the one the one societal luxury that we don't have is uh, the one that tries to appeal to emotion and, you know, closes the Bible, sits the Bible down. Um, and then, you know, begins to kind of 
turn around and tackle this experientially. I, I don't think that the Christian is called to that. I think that that's, you know, when you're dealing with a ideology that's taken over the masses and how they think and how they process the world in front of them, you know, I think you have to open the Bible sooner and wider, you know, so I, I think that's, that's probably the best, you know, the best place for us to begin to deal with some of these, uh, some of these issues. And then there's, you know, there's practical implications that I think that we have to discuss as to the very reach of this movement and also deal with the very real frustration that people have, uh, you know, concerning some of the injustices that are actually injustices. And so, um, so yeah, I don't think this is something y'all are going to have to be very patient with us because I don't think there's a one-liner, you know, that we can provide to you uh, where you'll feel like, okay, that's it. That's the argument. I think, you, you know, you have to give this the, the volume and the time that, that we hope to give it in order for you to really, really be compelled and encouraged that, you know, this is uh, a situation to be dealt with like any other situation. You go to the word of God and from there you find your objective truth. And so, um, so we hope that you'll give us, you know, you'll give us the hearing to be able to deal with uh, some of these very real and pertinent issues. All right, man. So something, well, so for us, those of you listening, this is, we, we normally do stuff off the cuff <laughs> um, <clears throat> and it, it works for us and, you know, other podcasts, you may have outline and places they want to go, but we, we tend to just kind of go off the cuff in a, in a conversational style. So um, just to start off with, man, <clears throat> I, I remember we were discussing the, the slogan uh black lives matter yeah um and we were talking about how those those who support that slogan become incensed by those who would say <clears throat> that all lives matter right. um, and we understand that issue to be one of uh in in my view when you do that you're actually resegregating yourself um apart from the whole like you like you said the, the black lives matter is a subset of all lives matter so when you try to pull out that one subset and focus on that it also causes you to develop tunnel vision to where you don't focus on the rest of the subsets within the scope of all lives matter, such as Asian lives matter, or when you talk about police, blue lives matter, or Indian lives matter, or Japanese lives matter, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, so how, um, speaking and trying to tie this biblically into the Imago Dei, yeah. How, how, what's the best way to approach that in, in reference to the Imago Day? Absolutely. I, you know, and I think part of the issue is, you know, not everyone is going to be convinced that when they look at the whole picture of all lives, that all lives, uh, all lives matter. Not everybody's going to be convinced of that because the undercurrent of this kind of debate is one of kind of Dar Darwinism, you know, um, social Darwinism, uh, ideas of the survival of the fittest and only the strong survive and all those kinds of mantras and ideologies that are kind of 
the undercurrent of all of this. Uh, but I, you know, I, th I think as people define these things, I think you have to, you know, making those two statements are not complete in and of themselves because they provoke the question, why? Why, why does, why does a life matter? Why does it have its purpose? Why does a life have a meaning? Is the life attached to some kind of a death culture? Is it because the life has been taken in an unjust way that then the life finds its value or meaning? Is it because that life has been taken out, out of, has been taken out of a certain ethnic community that that life now has its purpose and meaning? And I would say no to all of that because uh, the life certainly has its uh, has its meaning uh, rooted in the doctrine of Imago Dei, and by that we mean God's image of man, uh, which mm -hmm. is uh, which is the words I believe from Genesis chapter one, uh, twenty six and twenty seven, if I have that correct. That, yeah, uh, it is. It. Let us make man in our image, as as the the, the Godhead is uh, setting out to create his his created that is man, uh, and woman being taken out of the man, and I think if you don't start there, then you'll begin to argue as though the all lives might be more important than the black life. And then you argue that the black life is somehow separate from all of the other lives. And I don't think the Bible presents that at all. Um, and so I, I think, I think, you know, people are debating these issues from emotional and societal frustration, uh, but I don't think the two need to be exclusive of one another. And in fact, you know, what you'll find from this podcast as we begin to deal with some of these issues, I think that you can really with confidence say that the black life matters uh, without ascribing to the movement that tries to promote that and sensationalize and, and profit off of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that you have to look at it as, well, why is the life valuable? And is every life eternally valuable? And, you know, from the biblical standpoint, uh, you know, every life has, has, a, has meaning and it has a purpose, but not every life will prove to be ultimately useful for the glory of God's kingdom and his work. And I think people are not willing to answer that because secular humanism is driving the discussion. Mm -hmm. So uh, God is gathering to himself in Christ a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. However, he's not gathering everyone from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Therefore, he will be excluding a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about what matters, uh, we have to look at this from the lens of what matters to God and what matters to his kingdom. Mm -hmm. uh, because there are futile lives. There are useless lives. And that's not to take away from injustices that are done, that are, uh, done and uh, injustices that are committed. But that's not to say that every life is... Uh, is one that is ultimately going to be useful for the purposes that God has. Mm -hmm. um, so that goes back to the question of the problem of evil. What, you know, God has allowed evil and the fact that evil exists is, uh, is, is the sense in which God is going to ultimately be glorified by judging. It. He permits it as openly as it is because he's going to judge it as flagrant, as flagrantly as he will. Mm -hmm. um, so when you when you start that discussion, I know people probably are feeling like, wow, this sounds like it's over my head. Not really. I mean, because when you start this discussion, you have to deal with the fact that you have to as a Christian, I'm talking to believers uh, or those who are confessing to be you. You have to come to a place where you're not necessarily uh, using the world's terminology and ideological thinking. 
you know, the concepts of race, the concepts of, uh, of, of a certain reparations that's due to individuals on the basis of suffering. The idea taught by the modern civil rights movement that suffering in and of itself is redemptive. You know, those aren't true. And that's something that even Martin Luther King promoted that suffering is, re is redemptive. You know, people find these themes and therefore they want to suffer vicariously through individuals. And I'm going, not all suffering is redemptive. Nope. And so, because there's Christian suffering that ultimately leads to eternal life with Christ. And he's promised that the believer will suffer and suffer persecution and, and suffer the scorn and mocking of the world, which maybe you and I will suffer that from this podcast. But, but I say, uh, not everyone who suffers is doing so in a way that will uh, lead to eternal life. Uh, right. Some people are suffering in such a way so as uh, to point them to eternal suffering because they will not embrace the Lord Jesus. And so, you know, you have to deal with all those things before you just blurt out all lives matter in a response to black lives matter. Uh, I think we can say with confidence that absolutely uh, all the ethnicities that God has placed on this earth are beautiful. And the black life is beautiful. The black culture uh, is beautiful. And yet there's a subculture of the black culture that we can't necessarily affirm because of the things they affirm uh, just like any other culture that there's things that they affirm uh, within their ethnicity and in their culture that we certainly don't say, well, that's beautiful, but the cultures in and of themselves, there's a beauty and there's a reason why God is going to uh, bring to himself a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. I think people are a little nervous because Black Lives Matter, the movement is now controlling the idea. And I don't think, I think you can shun the movement and say, I don't necessarily agree with your purposes and they'll respond as they do. Uh, but you can also say, but this life is still impactful, beautiful, this culture, but it's also beautiful along other cultures. Right. So, so, so you're, you're saying, basically, you can say that a black life does matter. Absolutely. Black lives matter doesn't matter. Like exactly. The, yeah. The, I would, yeah. I would, the, that's a good way to put it. I mean, the, I would definitely. The slogan itself, the embodiment of the slogan doesn't matter. Absolutely. Uh, because there are things within that, which we may touch on today or in another episode, but there are sure. things within the Black Lives Matter manifesto right. that would, do not agree, especially do not agree with the Christian worldview. Absolutely. So anybody who is a, a Christian who filters the BLM manifesto through scripture will, would, it's going to fall apart. Yeah, piece they would piece. surely decry absolutely the movement itself, but again would would still cry out against injustices that do occur. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, so to just just for people that are listening to read the the passage you mentioned in Genesis chapter one, he says because something really just popped out to me when I was looking at it. It said, "Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our image." Not, not any particular image, but our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And I think part of the issue is when we deal with the Imago Dei is that we don't stress those pronouns. Right. 
you know, it, it, we, we are made in his image right. and after his likeness. Right. So, so, so when an image bearer takes the life of another image bearer, he, he, he is not only taking the life of that image bearer, but he is in, in essence, disrespecting the, the Imago Dei. He's, dis- he's disrespecting God himself when Absolutely. he does that. Absolutely. And I think it's important that we help people to understand um, that, that part of being an image bearer. Um, right. We all, every single one of us belongs to God. And that's where, that's where the features of dignity, you know, common respect between man, love for one another, really pushing for, and only the believer can execute this uh, to its highest degree or should be, you know, loving one another, sacrificing um, the interests of yourselves for one another. You know, all those things come from the doctrine of, of being made in God's image, of man being made in God's image. And so, you know, in this situation, it's like you said, you can't, you can't have the kind of tunnel, the kind of tunnel vision that leads to uh, certain ideas of supremacy, you know, ethnic supremacy, and and even the idea where, because the the strike against the doctrine of 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 Imago Dei, the strike against that is also the very term racism. And I know people go, wow, you're trying now, you're just nuancing things, but but really the issue is there there is really only one race. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. the issue. It's the human race. And then you have ethnicities. And then within ethnicities, you have cultures. Mm-hmm. You know? And then you have even tribes within cultures. And then you have, I mean, you have all these things that play into, you know, what it means to bear that image. Uh, but I think there's a reason why even in salvation, we don't lose our ethnicity, you know. Mm-hmm. But also, you're not, you're not called to, by virtue of your position, identify with that in such a way so as to now you're hiding in your ethnicity and then you're beginning to affirm secular movements that promote that and stimulate uh, that within you because because you can be you can make your ethnicity an idol absolutely without even realizing it you know um, paul dealt with that in the church and you know i think uh, we, you and I were talking about even this podcast. I think there'll be features in this podcast that you'll hear us repeat because I believe repetition is a very effective teaching tool, but mm-hmm. Paul dealt with that in the Ephesian church. He dealt with that, you know, uh, between the Jews and what were then the Gentiles, which would essentially be all the surrounding nations uh, that was, that would be outside of kind of the Israel, uh, the Israel culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wouldn't necessarily find any kind of particular attachment to the, so named tribes of Israel, but he, he dealt with these issues. And the one thing that I believe Paul carried with him to the very end was trying to get both the Jews and the Gentiles, not simply to coexist or to be ignorant that somehow they, there weren't ethnic differences between them. I think what he was trying to stimulate in them is that you are called to Christ. Mm-hmm. So now you're elevated above those things. So whatever may happen, any disputes, any frustrations, that now you have one who has covered that on the basis of his crosswork, and now you can relate to one another in that way. And so it wasn't necessarily that Paul was, and Paul was not after societal reform because he found this raging conflict between Jews and Gentiles. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also see it in a way in Acts 17 when he's preaching on Mars Hill and the way he deals with the Greek, because they had a superiority uh, complex where they believed that they were the pinnacle of salvation and they believed that the, uh, that the, the rest of the modern world were, uh, were barbarians. And so you have Gentiles who thought they were, I mean, Jews who thought they were greater than Gentiles, and you have Gentiles <laughs> who thought they were greater than the Jews. Yeah. And so, but when Paul preaches, he deals with God's coming judgment. He deals with salvation. He deals with the fact that all of that is abolished at the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's why I believe even with uh, James Cone, who would be the father of so-called black liberation ideology today, the first place he really went to in dealing with erecting what we know as black liberation theology, he dealt with the atonement. Mm-hmm. He went after what Christ has accomplished and then redefined it. And, you the, know, the, the lynching tree, the lynching tree. And so mm-hmm. our, our society today is so far removed from even where he was in terms of theologically <laughs> tearing things apart, that they're just going straight secular humanism and not even dealing with, you know, yeah. those features but I mean, they borrow the terminology. But I mean, you, you, I mean, you even think about that, that he's comparing the lynching of a of a black man not not to slight that in any way that that is just totally unjust but he's trying to tie the lynching of a black man to christ dying on the cross you you can't you can't do that one doesn't have anything to do with the other and the reason is because being black i know some people will be shocked to hear this so they might turn us off at this point (laughs) if you're going to i want to tell you i love you and I hope that you come yeah, back we love at some you. point. I really mean that. I hope you do come back. But I'm going to tell you, it might come as a shock to people, but blacks are not innocent because they're black. Um, right. And even the term itself, when you say that someone is black, there's so many ethnicities and other just kind of features of that individual that I think to say that a person is just black and to just stay on that mm-hmm. is is to really deconstruct who a person is and you know what blood is coursing through their veins but having said all that i mentioned that because because humans even white people and you know that again that's a term that you have to consider all the ethnicities but no one no one is above the guilt of transgressing against god <clears throat> so whatever injustice happens it must not be so symbolized and so joined to the cross work of Christ for the simple fact that Jesus is, was, and for all time, the sinless one who took upon himself other people's sins. You can't say that about any culture. You can't say that about any people group. No matter how unjust we perceive something or how unjust something was, the act itself is not unjust because people who have never committed sins are dying. You know, we can only say that about the true and living Christ who laid down his life. Um, you know, and, and, and from lynching experiences, I don't believe there were or that many vicarious uh, lynching situations where people were literally giving their necks to the noose. Um, but when Christ suffered on the cross and, and died on the cross, he gave up himself to do that willingly. He, he even mentioned it, uh, that, yeah, he, he, that they yeah. weren't taking his life. He laid it down. It's, exactly. That's so that, exactly there's not that say. vicarious atonement that people want to make it seem, you know, mm-hmm. you have to steal from the symbols of, uh, of true Christianity and pervert them in order to come up with those conclusions. Now, now I will say that 
me being a light-skinned black man, um, <laughs> you know, I, I have a few more perks than you. My but, Some might say that that's true. Some <laughs> might say that that's true. That darker skinned individuals, we, we go out of style, but we come back in style. No, nah, sometimes we sometimes we have to, uh, you know, our singers have to beg. You know, <laughs> light skinned singers they don't beg, they croon. They... <laughs> but you know, but all this, if, if you look at it, I, I think people want to like the movement they really want to make their case for a couple reasons outside of the Christian worldview. And, and, and there's, there's, there's many reasons. And I think two of them can be nailed down. The one is that many believe Christianity itself is suspicious to deal with these issues because it has been perverted. And I'm going, but the mark of something being true is when there's several counterfeits. Right. Mark of something being effective is when it's constantly and consistently under so much attack that you almost draw people away from being able to come to right thinking on it. And so mm-hmm. that's that's one. But also the way in which people, you know, we see it on social media where people post images and stories from the Bible and begin to superimpose that on black suffering and, right. <clears throat> and, and themes of, you know, segregation societies you know, and, and things of that nature. Like, like the one, the one guy that I, that I saw where he said that just like the officer had his knee on George Floyd's neck because he's a sinner, he had his knee on Christ's neck. No, what? No, Absolutely. we don't, we don't yeah. do that. Yeah. We don't, we don't play fast and loose with the Lord Jesus Christ like that. You, you Absolutely. don't do that. You but don't. what you're finding is what they're ready to admit is that there is some attachment to Christianity in its attempt to resolve certain things. And right. That's why they, but, but, but they, but again, you proof text and you're, th- you're taking things out of text. People posting this shot of, 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 of Jesus overturning the tables in the synagogue. And somehow that is the great aha, the justification of, now we can protest and yeah let's riot let's loot let's riot and let's overturn the society jesus tore up the temple but i'm going if you really look (laughs) at the text and really look at it for its you know placement within the larger scope where it appears in the gospels Mm -hmm. that it's actually the antithesis it's actually that the society was committing usury and inflation and all these things and ethnic superiority and what Jesus was coming to overthrow is a false kingdom in favor of his own. So I would say if you're going to even touch that, you had better be very clear as to, uh, as to approaching it through studying what God's, uh, what God's kingdom commands. Because if you're going to bring in Jesus, you probably want to look at what Jesus commanded. And in fact, also understand that Jesus calls for absolute surrender to his person. So he, Jesus is not to be treated as just some neat individual who we could bring up when we want to you know argue with one another on the effects of society the reach of government and then put them away mm-hmm. and then and, and but if you're going to bring jesus in then that's where i enter the picture because i need to explain who this uh, biblical jesus christ is which is why we have the very name that we do in the, in the part and what we're doing the biblical christ there's a distinction between the jesus of modern sentiment of quote unquote racial purity and all these other things that you have to be willing to explain that. And I think people are bringing him into the picture because eternity is written on the heart of every man. 
And so, um, but yeah, I, you know, I really think that, you know, I really think that there is a true frustration on all sides. And I think that is because uh, there is the absence of a true solution that appeals to, to the inner man um, when you're dealing with secular humanist uh, thought. Yeah, or, or that the solution is being, the solution is there, it's just being drowned out by all these other worldviews currently. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Um, it's like, uh, but like you said, I mean, and I wrote it down because, you know, as you talk, I write stuff down to, you know, kind of oh. go back on. I have a few other things too, but um, when you talked about we're all 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 the people are doing right now is looking at the temporal implications of life and they're not looking at the in eternal implications of life so when you wear these t-shirts with the names like tamir rice george floyd was it uh was some of the other ones arbery uh, uh, ahmaud arbery uh we just talked about rishi caldwell and, and you put all of these names on your shirt or you post them saying about them dying unjustly right but then the internal imp implication is did, 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 they, did they know christ right yeah, and, and so. sadly some people will say yes because of the way they suffered mm -hmm. and the way that they died or because they belong to a particular ethnicity and I'm saying, how hopeless is that? Because part of the frustration that I'm gathering from kind of, and I would say it's more this new black thought tied to a lot of older issues and mm -hmm. things that seem to be wounds that have never closed. You know, I think the issue is, is that people are beginning to assert the same kind of supremacy in their thinking because the same perversions that were used in justifying so many atrocities on the part of you know so many of the uh you know the white supremacy movements in the past mm -hmm. some of the very same ones that black supremacy is making you know the the thought and and that that thought being that our race is vindicated because of who we are our race is vindicated not because of our position in christ but because we are born um we are born with this level of melanin in our skin tone. Mm -hmm. And so therefore that vindicates us in and of itself. And, and I'm going, how, how in scripture can you, again, I expect the world to argue that and we'll deal with some of those arguments, but I'm talking about people who are claiming to be blood bought Christians who are putting hand prayer emojis on all this stuff and saying amen to all this stuff. I mean, to me, I'm going, how can you justify from the text that what you're aligning yourself to has anything to do with the very kingdom purposes of God. And I think the, the reason that they won't do that is quite simply what we've addressed here is a certain boredom with the text. Uh, the text does implicate the man who's studying it uh, because everybody is guilty before God apart from what Christ has accomplished. And so, you know, to deal with these issues, and I don't want to speak over them as though they're beneath us, but you know, I do believe the frustration is real and I do believe that there are unjust acts and, you know, mm -hmm. I don't, I think in all directions, you know, mm -hmm. even this idea of uh, so-called racism and, and, and really that's just a picture of partiality and right. of, of God's image of man. But 
every man is capable of that. You know, I'm writing, uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading some of the things that people within the, uh, the so-called designated black community are saying, and I'm just, I, I mean, I'm appalled. It's almost embarrassing mm-hmm. uh, just the way that, uh, that they would speak a fellow man, but I'm also embarrassed on the way that other ethnicities um, categorized as white and other, uh, other ethnicities are speaking about uh, this situation as well. It's just everybody speaking from a standpoint of emotional frustration. Um, and then if you don't speak, they're putting this existential obligation on you that somehow you must pick a side or else you are, you're at war with either one. Uh, and I'm going, a lot of this has to do with you. There's the wisdom of being silent because God is demonstrating something in the midst of everything. And that something could be judgment for some, and it certainly could be redemption for others, his redemption. And so, um, you know, I I think a lot of people are trying to find their clarity in their voice, um, you know, with respect to these issues, but, yeah, I mean, I, I really think that no one is dealing with the fact that there are real frustrations. And you and I could put out a list of societal reforms and, okay, you can do this to the law enforcement sector and then somehow that'll change this, this, and this. But let's be honest, a lot of things are going to continue as they are because men are evil apart just, from Christ. It's just a Band-Aid. It's human depravity. And, and you, can't, you can't eradicate human depravity. I mean, not, you can not, not by the tide. Not by law reforms and things. No. I mean, you could probably stem the tide of it for Absolutely. for a time, but we've already seen that you can only stem the tide for so long, and then Absolutely. the depravity will just rise back up again. You have Absolutely. to get to the root of the problem. You can't just. That's the issue, and that's what I'm about. I'm, I'm, you know, I think, and I think you're about this too, brother. I, th- mm-hmm. I think we really want a solution, and people, you know, have to come to terms with the eternal implications of what's being said in society of what's being done um i think both and all sides you know let's not even pretend that there's a both there's so many sides to this i think everyone does a very good job of making caricatures of one another um you know i think people will look at us and go up they belong to trump and i'm going no not really (laughs) not at all situation um (laughs) <laughs> you know, up. They, they, you know, they certainly don't sound like they belong to Bob. I don't have anything to do with that situation. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, and, and people, you know, oh, well, they're Uncle Toms. Well, they're Coons. Well, they're this and that. And people begin to say those things, but those are only weak and futile attempts to intimidate people from actually dealing with the implications of what mm-hmm. they're saying. Uh, and then you have people who want to grovel, you know, at my feet and and mm-hmm. somehow tell me and, and explain to me why they're sorry and guilty for things that they didn't even do. Right. That, the, the, tell you, you don't have to bow down before any man. If there's one thing clear about what we stand for, uh, both as a ministry and on this podcast, is that we believe you are not a slave to any man. Mm-hmm. So don't come bowing down to me if you have inclinations in your heart of partiality. You need to fall on your face before God, one. And, that's, right. and that appeal is to every man and every ethnicity. Two, I don't impute any guilt. And, and this is where the idea of the so-called black community tries to paint a picture like everyone is thinking the same way. And right. So people will come up to you and bow before you because they feel guilty uh, and they are perceiving that you may impute this kind of guilt to them because of something that perhaps their ancestors committed or, 
you know, they saw someone do, and I'm going, if you didn't commit the sin personally, uh, then you don't need to carry the burden personally. And a lot of people will be infuriated with that. But I believe that that is uh, not only how a society moves forward, but that's what the Bible teaches. Um, You're not guilty for, you know, you're not guilty for the guilt of, of, of your entire people. This Christianity is a very intimate thing. And we said that in another podcast. Yeah. And that, uh, it, it upsets me to see those images of those, the white people bowing to black people. Like we're sorry for yeah, stand up. Ha- have, you, have you, have you, yeah, your dignity have, has did you nothing do something to, do. to me. Yeah. <laughs> did you, it's, did you do something to me? Cause that's the first thing. If that ever happened to me, the first thing that I, did, did you do something to me? Are, are you are you racist? I don't even like the term racist, which we're going to right. talk about here. Shortly. Right. And we can use it with the yeah. understanding that there's a need to kind of deconstruct the term itself. Yeah. But but it but I somebody did that to me. I'm like, why are you doing that? Right. Stand up. Stand up. Right. You know, if if you if you have done that, then repent, you know, repent right. before God, you know. And, and let and, me tell you, if you have done that. My role as a believer, something that people are not really saying in this hour, my role is to love my enemies. Right. Even, exactly. even, even people, because I'll tell you how, and I, I really pray this gets across to people. I'll tell you, this is destroying people's families. And, mm-hmm. and in a good way, stuff is starting to come out. Like you're looking at relatives and going, man, I, I didn't know that y'all thought like that, you know? And I think that that was probably the same kind of exposure during the Jim Crow era where people were going, wow, I didn't know you know, now that I'm informed, I know how to conduct myself, but I'm telling you, my, my role is to love my enemies. My mm-hmm. role is to, when you trend, my role is not to be naive. It's not to be a doormat, but there's a meekness. Blessed are the meek power under control. You know, if you commit an offense toward me, the word of God teaches me very plainly to love you, to honor right. you, to try to win you to right thinking, right action. See to it that your heart is changed by the by by what Christ has accomplished on the cross by the truth of the gospel uh, my role is not to have you grovel at my feet so that you can serve my purposes and my my created kingdom um, that's not what that's not what the word of God teaches so you do not uh, need to bow before anyone if, if you have sinned against fellow man you need to go to God first and then when if it is necessary go to the person who you sinned against right and, and try to try to make that reconciliation between you and that person but mm-hmm. all these vicarious and symbolistic ways of trying to you know place uh individuals with a certain ethnicity and then place the guilt of individuals with a certain ethnicity that is a political uh and an ideological weapon uh, to get people to begin to war against one another. It's not mm-hmm. for the purpose of reconciliation. I'll tell you, the only reconciliation it will bring is the rise of the Antichrist. Um, if people are simply gathering together for the purpose of developing a coalition because they've slighted one another, but it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with Christ and biblical forgiveness. Um, so, and I get that from Revelation. I get that from Revelation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I posted the Thomas Thomas Saul quote about when you want to help people, you tell them the truth. That's what we're Absolutely. doing. When you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. Absolutely. And then a good friend of mine um, said, now, if we could only agree on what is the truth. Well, the, we already have it. Yeah, the truth is objective. 
It's, it's contained in the, it's the absolute truth that is contained within the word of God. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. of course, most people will not agree with that, but that's expected because they're not saved. Absolutely. But for us as Christians to take other routes to try to get these things to happen, right. as opposed to just standing on the word of God and being right. faithful to the word of God and being obedient to the word of God, proclaiming the gospel, pro proclaiming the truth that is contained within the word of God. That right. it's, that's an exercise in futility. And, and, and we all as Christians, I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, Indian, Hispanic, I don't care what you are. We as Christians should know better right. than to, than to, you, you can't say I'm a Christian plus, I have the ideology of Black Lives Matter. Right. It's not. It's not Christ and it's Christ and nothing else. They're can't. They're, they're they're incompatible because Christianity deals with the whole man in his purposes throughout society. Being a disciple of Christ, there's promise hatred, promise injustice. You know, if you perceive that life isn't fair as an, as one who doesn't ascribe to true biblical Christianity, wait until if the Lord saves you. Because then you'll be you'll you'll be very much exposed to the fact that a whole world system is is contrived against the Christian, mm -hmm. and the whole world system lines up against not only how the Christian thoughts, but mocks them, laughs at them, uh, believes that their thoughts are archaic, and all these other things. It takes great courage to take up your cross and follow Christ, and thus you're dead to the world. Mm -hmm. You're dead to the world's kind of thinking, and so you know, but. Absolutely. I, I think there's I think there's this growing mindset that uh, functionally that Christian uh, the, the biblical worldview, so to speak. And that's because people are hijacking it for their own purposes. Mm -hmm. And we deal with them, too. I mean, we, yeah. you know, on this podcast, we're equal opportunists in that way. We don't you know, if you want to say, oh, he's defending such and such group. Nope. That's probably the group that I have had to expose and attack. Uh, in terms of a biblical defense mm -hmm. uh, for the truth. And so I think because Paul wrote what he wrote, that's our imperative. That's our command. Every thought captive. Take every thought captive. So I, you don't get to just rail off all these things that you think uh, will bring for a certain redemption of mankind that has nothing mm -hmm. to do with Christ. And I just sit here and accept it. Right. Uh, it's I have to take that captive to the obedience of the word of God. And then if it is not, uh, exalting the name and the word of God, then I have to, I have to strike it down. And, yeah. and again, you say we do that. You have to remind people and I'm reminding the people that are listening. We do this because we love you. Mm -hmm. um, and even the courage, you have to understand the courage that it takes to go against the grain in the world that we live in, because the world is so blatantly against what the word of God teaches and even so many who are saying that they belong to the Lord's church mm -hmm. are so opposed to what the word of God is, is, is saying that your life's work is to now make distinctions and to walk with people through things. And those people might turn on you, but you, but, but you love the truth and you love Christ. And so they have to be brought into conformity with what is said, because ultimately it is about their eternity. Yes. Injustices are grieving. You know, I, I believe when when I first saw what happened, you know, because this is the recent context is George Floyd, but so many, uh, 
you know, when, when I saw those things occur, it, it's incredibly disheartening, mm-hmm. grievous, wicked, evil, based on what we've seen. That was painful. The, the video was, I, I couldn't hardly get through it. And it's then, hard to watch. It's, it's hard to watch someone's life get snuffed and out. Then, and then what really tore, tore my heart apart was when he was calling for his mom, man. You Absolutely. got a grown man calling for his mom. Absolutely. And it but, didn't even it didn't even have anything to do with him a black man call. It was just a grown man was calling for his mom. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I just and I, I just want people to understand that we're we're not saying don't speak out against injustice. What we are saying is that you speak about speak out against injustice in a biblical way. Absolutely. According to the biblical worldview, because what I'm seeing now on Facebook and and in the media is now now a lot of people, primarily black people, are trying to turn over every rock to find something. See, look, this happened. See, yeah, look at this. See, right. look at that. See, and all you're really doing is adding fuel to the fire, but you're not really actually dealing with the issue. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not by and whether it's by intention or by its effect, you're not really interested in what are the solution to these things. And mm-hmm. to me, you know, that's consistent. If you want to say I want to renounce Christianity because I want to turn over all these rocks, because okay. then you can abandon the eternal solution and you can just go off into society and try to, through uh, whatever means of act, activism and societal reforms, mm-hmm. go ahead and do that. At least be honest with yourself that you want to walk away from it. Uh, but I'm saying, if you're saying I'm a Christian, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and my plight in life is to honor and glorify his name and to expose evil and wickedness, you do that at wherever it may be found. But if you exalt the virtues of love, you know, honor, you know, the things that we're supposed to think on, whatever's mm-hmm. pure, whatever's right, whatever's true, you're going to end up siding with people who are uh, going to be mocked and oppressed and and cast aside and it's and that's not always going to be one particular ethnicity on any given day mm-hmm. um but i think you know i think what people are frustrated about is they think they have the why and they don't because things keep happening mm-hmm. and what i'm not here to do is sell to you that we have some kind of medicine uh, that will stop all the societal ills from happening i'll tell you that if you're a christian you need to look to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that is when everything, every evil will be ultimately vindicated, as, as vexing as it is on both sides. Um, but then also uh, to those who are still alive and still under the sound of our voices, that if you are antagonistic toward the true faith and mocking those who are bringing about the serious and sober gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, then the issue for you is that you have to fall, you have to fall on your knees and on your face before God mm-hmm. and confess your own sins before God. And I believe that the new nature itself gives you a brand new perspective on the things that are happening. The things don't stop happening. Your perspective changes right. because your identity changes. Right. Now I'm in Christ. Now I don't have to identify with the group, the gang, the ideology the ethnicity on both and all sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to be so ingrained in thinking that there are perfect law enforcement agencies that somehow no way that they fail. So now I have to defend them. And then so ingrained in the black 
uh, culture that I have to say, well, no way do they do anything wrong, so I have to defend them. But you begin to look at things the way God sees them, <clears throat> that there are men who are doing things in this earth that even when they are supposed to do them for his name, they will ultimately fail if they are not tied to him. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's the issue. And, you know, I think, again, there are real frustrations. I, I know that people are tired of, you know, even the rhetoric that's uh, from both sides. I have to deal with both sides because I, I see both sides right. going at each other. You know, <laughs> I wish I could say, well, one side is just going at one side, but you know, people are really trying to tear each other apart. And then mm -hmm. within the sub, the sub set of family and family relationships, you know, mothers and fathers, daughters and moms and sons and daughters, sons and fathers, you know, everybody's kind of at each other's necks about this, but right. you know, the, the, the frustration is real. I think people must not abandon the true wisdom of God's word to deal with these issues. And mm -hmm. if you don't, if that's not for you, in this hour, I'm just here to tell you, if this is the only episode that you can stomach, I'll tell you this hour, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That your knee is gonna bow, my knee's gonna bow before him, and we all are gonna stand before him. You know, Yeah, they're defacing uh, statues, and some people are protesting, and some people are you know, trying to tear down economy and business and all these other things, and, and, and they have their ways of doing so. All that pales in comparison to having to stand before God and give to him an account for how you spent your time on the earth. And I think that's where people have to recognize that that's not exclusive to any group, to mm -hmm. any movement, or to any entity. That's every single man. Yeah, so, and, that, and that's, the actual, that's the actual question that you, as a human on the face of this earth, with eternal implications of your life, needs to be asking yourself is, which right. side am I on? And I'm not talking about Republican, Democrat, Black, right. White, you know, Antifa, intersectional, LGBTQ. I'm not talking about any that type of side. Are you right. on God's side or are you an enemy of God? Right. Because at the end of the day, that's the only two sides that really matter. Right. Um, so I, I think, I think, I think the, the, the spirit of the, of, of some of the things that are said in the, in the, in the constitution, although it's heavily kind of this, this very hybrid theistic, <laughs> theistic, yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot attached to the constitution, but you know, people want to impute things to you, right? So, okay, if you ask me, what do I think? If, you, if you're asking me, you know, okay, well, what is it that you think? I, I do want justice for all. Mm -hmm. So if I'm guilty of anything, that's what I want. I want justice for all. In the framework of the laws of this land that I believe, you know, some laws I, I don't agree with, and then some laws I agree with, and I certainly can cheerfully submit to the ones I do, the ones I don't. I'm just not going to if they assault uh, the purposes of God, and you can do so in clear conscience and scripture. But when it comes to the themes of justice and things of that nature, I want justice for everyone. And again, that 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 will probably expel me from, you know, any credibility in within the annals of Black liberation theology. But I'm not interested in gaining credibility from them. No, I want I want I want God to commend what I'm doing because mm -hmm. it aligns with His will. And so for me, I want everything to be just. I want all, you know, I want all injustice to ultimately be purged and eliminated. 
And I'm not advocating for one specific political ideology that can do that because I don't believe any of them will prove successful in light of the messianic kingdom to come. Um, so, but having said that, that that's not inaction. Uh, that's my heart's desire that, you know, the injustice of police officers being brutally killed uh, during the riots and, and other things is just as grievous to me as watching individuals, uh, young black males, uh, you know, uh, being killed. Right. You know, that it's, and, and, and honestly, and here's, here's a big, uh, oh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm staunchly against black on black crime, which people are dismissing up. Oh, nope. Nope. That's off that we don't deal with that one. That one. Right. I've had people say that to me. No, nope, they that, try to separate it. They try to separate it. I don't, but to me, I'm going, that's grievous to me. And, right. and, and, and you go, okay, if you want me to identify in any kind of way, if you want credibility with me, it can't be, you can't be invested in hypocritical thought. Right. So for me, you can't lament, march, protest, cry, struggle for a certain sense of justice because of who killed the individual. Mm -hmm. To me, if you're going to advocate for justice, it has to be because an individual was killed, no matter who that is right. and at whose hands that is. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, I, I think that there's people who can bring up, you know, statistical argumentation on either side because statistics, you know, when they say 99% of statistics are false, <laughs> you know, there you go. the irony, you know, to say something like that. But, but I say, I say that brother, because you, you know, those things, those things plague the black community as well. And I don't say mm -hmm. that to throw that in their face. I don't say that to throw that in my own face. You know, I've, I've seen it for myself. I've experienced it. I've experienced it. We've lived it. We've lived in it. So, so to me, I'm going, but, but I think what's lost in all this is, is the sense of, of true progress. Um, you know, I can tell you if, if we're going to appeal to anything, I would hate to spend the next whatever time we have in these episodes appealing to all the struggles that you and I faced and just, I mean, it, 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 it's, yeah, you know, to me that, that, that gets into subjective territory, but I will mm -hmm. say that from what I have seen, even, even, even me growing up, you know, as I did that I have watched even, and, and, you know, my family would probably lean on another side of this now. I mean, I'm, I'm watching what a lot of them are saying and, and mm -hmm. you know, some of it is a burden in my heart. And I pray that some of them hear this and understand my heart. But, you know, I watch my family and I see success. I mean, we have lawyers, architects, doctors, chief police. I mean, we have people awesome. who fought and who have made it. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm looking and I'm going, that was the environment I grew up in. And it made me motivated to achieve certain things, even uh, to provide a certain quality of life for people under my care and my family. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear about this oppression, uh, that people are facing, I, I think that the 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 ready answer to that is in a sense that there is enough in society today that doesn't look like Jim Crow laws mm -hmm. that provides a platform for people to actually move forward and succeed. You're able to get a college education. Right. You're able to find a place to live through fair housing laws. You're able to, I mean, there's so much a dearth of information out there and a dearth of people who are willing to help you. My fear is that the community is so ingrained with the thought of oppression that anyone who tries to pull them out of it is now deemed an uncle Tom, you know, that right. person is, is to regard with suspicion. 
Um, and, and then if that person is not pouring money into a heart and nature issue, then somehow that person is not trying to be effective because we can throw money at these injustices. We can throw money at communities and say, here, here's money, build yourself up. And then that money will go into, you know, the local politicians pockets or mm -hmm. the local charismatics pockets or whatever the case may be. I mean, but, but I'm saying I'm going to not only offer you the solution, but I'm going to demonstrate to you that even as an individual, you can persevere through anything. Mm -hmm. persevere through all kinds of injustice and quite frankly you might not always persevere through justices your your life might be taken mm -hmm. but then the answer and the question uh that we must deal with is then what do we make of eternity right that's how you deal with the whole uh you know black lives matter blue lives matter all lives matter rebuttals mm -hmm. and all those things you have to look at the life is significant in as much as it is wed to god's purposes overall but the life finds its meaning in the fact that God has created the life in his image. Yeah. I mean, to, to, on the one hand, to argue when somebody says black lives matter and then to just throw all lives matter in their face uh, is rather insensitive. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that's not a frustration. Right. And that's not when I say it, that's I'm not using it in that capacity to throw it in your face, I'm arguing from a biblical worldview of the Imago Dei. All lives, all lives matter. I can't discriminate or right. segregate out one over the other. I mean, right. and on the other side of that is when these people say Black Lives Matter, you know, I know, you know, we talked, we we discussed, we weren't going to put our experiences out there because it could be rather subjective. But when we talk about Black Lives Matter, when I was growing up in South Central and I was, I was gangbanging, the, the 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 bloods, the pyrus, they're down the street. <laughs> uh, Crenshaw Mafia, which was like literally across the street, yeah. which was bloods. Them black lives didn't matter to me. Not if they walked up in my hood. Right, it was gonna and be a problem. And the same for so, them. Right, and then uh, to so with the gang violence, black on black, do black lives? You can't argue. Yeah and separate the white cop killing black people from black people killing black people. And you can't, and you, and you can't separate even an entity as vicious as it is tearing babies mm -hmm. limb from limb. Planned yeah. I was, that's, that was my next one. Abortion. You, you can't, you can't, yes. Yeah. Planned Parenthood, who is probably one of the leading multi, oh man, are they multi-billion now? I mean, they, they, they got money. <laughs> they got but, lots of money, but they profit on the black communities business mm -hmm. and that business being in higher numbers abortion and again you, you, you know don't scream at at however you're listening to this because somehow you read into what i've said that oh so only blacks are committing abortion nope that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that they strategically place themselves in position to benefit from disenfranchised black communities to profit off uh the destruction of young black babies in the womb because Margaret Sanger's Margaret Sanger's idea still eugenics. rings true. It was eugenics. It still Her, rings the true. Founder, the founder <laughs> of Planned Parenthood, she she literally, she was unapologetically trying to weed out the black race, uh, or I'm sorry, the black ethnicity mm -hmm. from the human race, and 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 she was very she was very very open and flagrant about that. I mean, I think everyone that will probably hear this has some form of access 
to the web where you can look at what was her ideology and what was right. her thing. But to watch Planned Parenthood go on Twitter and give the template of, you know, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, Black Lives Matter to us <laughs> and, and all these other. And I'm going like, this is almost cartoonish. Right. You know, when you are the leading manufacturer of destroying lives in the womb and, right. and, and on the altar of convenience. So that's the issue. They, they matter lucratively. They matter lucratively to you. And to me, I'm going, no, this is all a death culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to begin to talk about the life. What is one accomplishing in the life? You know, I don't want people advocating for me at all, but certainly don't wait for something traumatic to happen where you start to hold vigils for me and other things. I really think that to me, that is looking at things from a very evolution-based mentality. It is a fatalistic mentality of the Eastern religions, mm-hmm. um, a very eye for eye centered situation, um, you know, where we have a hard time. I mean, people will probably Uncle Tom us to death on this, but let us die. But Uncle Tom was a hero, so I take that as a compliment. I know, I know so. he was the protagonist in the book, but people, people call you all kinds of things. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> people call you all kinds of things, but then when you die, it's rest in peace. You know, yeah, then they exactly. want to eulogize you. They want to eulogize me and they want to give a good word about you. And I'm going, the, the issue is that, you know, it's a, it's a death-driven mindset where you have death cults joining to the ideology uh, so that they can profit off of what's being done. And right. I fear that the people in the middle may have genuine uh, sin issues and genuine disdain and frustration. And some of them are going, I, I don't hate black individuals, but I can't align myself to this ideological platform. And therefore other people are saying, well, then you're no friend of mine. Right. Because if, if you can't utter the phrase Black Lives Matter, then I, I, I want nothing at all to do with you. And I'm just looking at the insanity of where all this has taken place. Mm-hmm. And, and, and honestly, it's, it's, it, is, it is an exaltation of, of, of death and trauma and catastrophe. Yeah. Uh, whereas death, is, death itself is to be regarded as an enemy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So in, in all of its forms, whether you, know, you have people who are dying who are of European ethnicities, whether you have people who are dying who are here, uh, whether you have people who are dying in Africa, whether you have people who are dying wherever they may be in Asia, those, those, those are uh, orchestrated by the murderer of, of, of men, uh, mm-hmm. Satan himself. Uh, but when it is judgment, you have to understand also that we make no apology for the fact that God himself to orchestrate his, uh, his kingdom, there's going to be human carnage. Uh, there's going to be human carnage, and we see that, in, uh, and that's not taking place now um, in the sense of, you know, God uh, God wiping a people out for the very visible coming of Messiah, but it will happen in the future, mm-hmm. and it happened in the Old Testament, and people somehow want to go, well, how, how, can, how, can you, how can you serve a God like that? And I often, often think about when people ask that, well, if you serve yourself, Look at yourself. How can you serve yourself the way you're serving yourself? Because God's purposes are above man's. Mm-hmm. Whereas such a way that when God executes a certain judgment, uh, it's not for your finite mind to even question uh, how, that would, uh, how that would benefit you temporally if you're apart from Christ. Right. And so I think people are 
tiptoeing around these issues and not wanting to deal with them because of the controversy that they may bring. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I make no apologies for the fact that to be in Christ is a very controversial life um, because he himself was marked by a tremendous controversy and in in, in rage and hatred from the world system. So, yeah. Uh, and um, with that said, um, I actually wanted to go back a little bit to where we talk about how the word of God provides solutions. And I just wanted to read yeah. uh, a little bit out of the old Testament that actually shows us that the word of God has these solutions. It's Leviticus 19. He says, you shall not steal. Okay. Nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. You shall not swear falsely by my name. So as to profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse a deaf man, nor place a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial, which is segueing me into the next thing we're going to talk about. But you shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people, and you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor but shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I just, these principles, these are principles that can be used in society today. Absolutely. You can't, you can't like, Oh, well it, it, it doesn't have the solutions. I just read you a bunch of solutions. Absolutely. To, to people treating each other like the Imago Day should be treated. It's, and the it's, reason it's all right there. That, that's a great point. The reason for that is because God's commandments are tied to his, his attributes, his perfections, mm-hmm. his nature. They're an expression of who he is in terms of how his created beings ought to function uh, toward him and toward one another morally. And so, you know, when you have a society for as long as we have had that exercises subjective morals, uh, subjective everything to this point, but subjective morals, no real sense of uh, true righteousness, which is even what I was describing about the installation of of, of God's kingdom and the fact that that's going to come in war. Because I know people want to take that out of context. Up, oh, you just said that God is 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 violent and capricious. Nope, that's not who God is. When He does what He does, He acts with perfect righteousness. He's just. But he, He's just, he's perfectly just. And, and, and so even with, with the commandments that he gives, uh, they're an extension of who he is. Mm-hmm. So you have people who try to mock and prod and instigate, well, where is God in all this? And, and to me, if you're taking sides against him, you're not going to find him in the way that you think you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but equally so, if you're upholding his justice, uh, his truth as revealed in scripture, his commandments, even even in a society that has government officials who are supposed to be executing a measure of, of his justice. But when you have those situations in place, uh, the goal is the goal is in fact to uh, to stem the tide of lawlessness and, and immorality. 
Um, and I fear in the society that we live in that those are things that are now being promoted as virtues. So it, it's hard for people to understand the function of moral commandments right. because morals are now subjective. And that's why even, you know, uh, even the idea of moral outrage from, from people who want to be, you know, morally, uh, you know, more relative, uh, relativists. They, they want a relative morals where it's kind of like, yeah, well, your truth is your truth. Your morals mm -hmm. are your morals. I have mine. And then there's this collective outrage. You know, there's, there's even a great hypocrisy in that. Mm -hmm. uh, because until you come before objective truth, you can't really have a right sense of moral outrage. Why? It's in light of eternity. Right. Because of one's transgressions against God. Your transgressions against God puts you at enmity with him. Yeah, and how, how can you land anywhere if your morals are always relative? Exactly. You're never exactly. going to land anywhere. They're exactly. always changing. One minute you're going to say that some incident is not fair, then the next minute you look at it and say it's fair. I mean, you're never right. going to, you, you won't be even across the board and treat everything across the board because your truth is not objective and absolute. It's, 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 it's changing like the tides. Exactly. And, 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 why, and where do we come up with that? Well, the Bible itself being its self-attesting authority because it, it puts itself forward as God's word. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's either that or nothing for, for, for the Christian. How the Christian thinks it's either that or nothing or how the Christian should think. Mm -hmm. uh, it's either that or nothing. So there is tremendous eternal stake in what's written in the word of God. And I say that because Jesus testified that he is truth personified, that he right. is the personification of truth and that there's you know there's there's this um idea that people try to reduce that to all truth is god's truth well that's not necessarily true in the sense that some can say true things that have nothing to do with redemptive history mm -hmm. nothing to do with what god is actually accomplishing so in that sense something can be true but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's profitable right uh for godliness but in the sense that it is tied to the redemptive purposes of God's will and, and embodies and finds itself in the totality and person of Jesus Christ, who is, uh, who is the preeminent Lord, the Lord of all things. How do we know what we know? He's, he's the God of even that. Uh, you and I know that term as epistemology. How do we know what we know? But all those things, all those things deal with the fact of uh, who God is and what he has come to accomplish. And mm -hmm. Jesus really raising all the eternal stakes and saying about himself that he is the truth, the way, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through him, that, that those who are of the truth hear his voice. Yeah. And, and so you have, you have that being the very fabric of how the Christian ought to think about everything that's placed before them. And I fear that there are people, and we have said this before, even in our uh, in our dealing with the doctrinal triads that a lot of the reason that people have to argue the way they do is because they don't come before the text and looking at it in the way that we discussed this uh, holistic um, embodiment of, of sound doctrine collectively, everything that man needs pertaining to life and godliness. People are saying that, but they don't really believe that the Bible has everything they need pertaining to life and godliness. Right. And that's why a lot of the arguments that I see a lot of people making about these things they're not really dealing with what does God will in this situation. Um, and, you know, people are just making statements and they're saying stuff and, right. and they're, they're, 
you know, they're arguing, there's this great divisiveness, um, you know, that's taking place. And, you know, it, it, it shouldn't threaten the true church, but it'll certainly expose those who are playing church. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, these movements also are there to expose who really agrees with the will of God as revealed in scripture. That's why they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, the quarantine and all that stuff just made people be alone with themselves for a while. <laughs> so, you know, but you have to come to terms with, well, well, do I believe that truth is objective or not? Because if you don't, then you are going to one day make, you know, you, you're going to make an argument. And then we have a celebrity culture, even in society where, you know, um, I have people send me things about how, how great, you know, one leader is versus the next in all directions. Yeah. And, you know, again, to me, you know, I'm always going to stand against that because we're not to be slaves of men. Mm-hmm. And that means not only the, the, the person's, uh, the person who is there, but the person's ideologies and platforms and other things, especially when you're looking at government, you don't want to make, uh, you don't want to have a, a, a cult of personality on any level. Right. And, uh, and I think some of that lends itself toward people want to identify with a movement, with a cause and, 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 you know, and they, they, they bid their souls out to whoever has the most uh, effective voice. And I'm going, all men are going to disappoint if they're not speaking the words of scripture and can't be measured by how closely aligned they are to what the Bible actually says. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's what we should be after and deconstructing all of this stuff. Yeah. All right. So our last issue of the day before we close this thing out, I mean, it's been, it's been great so far. I mean, I, I, I think people will, actually give it a good listen i i actually don't honestly don't think people will some some may cut it off but i think a lot of people would actually give it a listen um yeah I, you know and I, I would i would say you know even over the last however i mean what's it been it's been things reached its apex i think in the last week mm-hmm. where everybody had something to say but this has been brewing for a while um, right you know i i would say even on their particular platforms i've given them a hearing um, of course, I think you have to deal with these things. You know, I had posted a caution, which people probably thought I was applauding, you know, maybe what they believed, you know, maybe they felt like I was taking a dig at Trump and then some people applauded that. And then some people thought I was taking a dig at Obama and they applauded that. Um, <laughs> but really what I was warning was, was I'm about to, uh, really hold everything up to the light of scripture. So understand that even after this, uh, you know, your accusations can be whatever they are. I love you nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but I'm not here uh, to simply say what's easy and comfortable. Um, right. Right. You know, when you truly have a love uh, for, for all people, you're going to tell all people what's true. It's kind of what you were saying, what you, mm-hmm. what you put up uh, today, Chris, that, you know, when you when you have a love for mankind, you're going to speak the truth to mankind and they're going right. to hate you. There's people who out there are just going to be vile, vile and wicked. And some might agree with you in principle, but behind your back uh, before heaven, but behind your back kind of tear you down. And all those things are fine. I think it that's why I say you have to be resolute. You have to be resolved, um, you know, to really deal with things in terms of let's take an elevated view of this, not to escape the issues but to hold the issues to the light of eternity. Cause that's what, that's, that's what you want to say. Something matters. You want to start wearing a t-shirt. Eternity matters. 
eternity matters beyond all this stuff because that's where you spend the 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 whole of your existence is in eternity either unto torment or either unto eternal life right Uh, this this life we have now is just a small part oh it's a small it's a small fraction it's It's just that's that's a thanos snap that's that's it that's it's over that's how long our lives are it's it's (laughs) over that's the wisdom of ecclesiastes and so you know, but yeah, I, I know you're going to introduce the last issue, but I wanted to say that because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would hope that even common civil discourse causes people to not take this with emotional antagonism, but take it and go, hey, let me filter myself through what's being said mm-hmm. and see if I'm guilty of, of the problem, even though I'm claiming to have the solution. Right. And so, uh, so yeah. 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 Hey, man. You know, you know how we do on here. It's just <laughs> we go where we go. So yeah, that's all absolutely. Good. But I just wanted to, before we got off, I wanted to talk about race. And, you know, from we talked about it, you know, through our chats, through text a lot. Um, but for me, well, I know for you as well. I mean, racism isn't actually a uh, a biblical word necessarily that's it's more of a secular construct so when people talk about racism um and what i notice is that black people exempt themselves from from racism because of the argument that racism is the superior looking down to the inferior uh, as as worthless or not having any value uh so so when you so I see people argue, well, black people can be racist too. Well, if you follow that, the the definition that I gave, then they can't. However, if you put racism aside and look at it biblically, there's only one human race. We we all come from Adam and Eve. Right. Uh, there's only one human race. Right. However, you know when it, uh, the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, uh, when they <clears throat> talked about trying to come together as one and build a tower to the heavens and then God scattered uh, scattered the people all over the earth then we we do have ethnicities right the the correct term is ethnicities absolutely but now when you talk about partiality as you said or or what i call ethnic prejudice right now blacks can't be exempt from that right you can you can hold them to ethnic prejudice Whereas they can kind of write off racism, but when you put it in terms of ethnic prejudice, where they favor their people, their ethnicity over another ethnicity, then they're just as sinful as the white person that does it or the Asian. I was going to say, and there there's, and, and that, and that is the issue because there's, there's preference and then there's prejudice. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 obviously, you know, what we're not saying is that do you rebuke people for having a preference of being of course ingrained not. in some of the beauties of their culture? No, not at all. I mean, that's that's why the Lord, you know, the Lord created you and placed you in that context, mm-hmm. and 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 there's an enjoyment in that. Um, and do you then force yourself into other contexts to somehow learn some, you know? education in that particular thing no because i think that's insulting and contrived and condescending right but but having having said that i think there there ought to be 
there ought to be across all ethnicities the kind of uh, reflection in light of God's word that says, am I guilty of a certain prejudice? Um, and I think that that goes every single way. And it's, 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 it's quite honestly both arrogance and hypocrisy on all levels mm-hmm. for any ethnicity to not only claim to monopolize suffering, but also to pretend as though they are exempt from, uh, from prejudices and all those other things. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't believe that black Americans as, as, as so named have monopolized suffering because in the grand scheme of civilization, there have been so many who have suffered and equally there have been those who in, inflicted suffering upon one another from the same ethnicities. Right. And so, you know, I, I think, I think humans suffer because of what took place in the garden of Eden, uh, sin into the world and death through sin that tempers. And, and I, I think tears down the social construct that's known as racism. Mm-hmm. The idea that there's different races that that's very evolutionist um, that, you know, there's a race of this and there's a race of that and there's a race of this. And, and honestly, I think one way to not pander to it, is somehow, and I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that um, my fellow kinsmen, as I should say, as I should speak as Paul, I don't know if they've ever thought about it this way, but it's almost like the expectation within the, within the, the so named black community. And we'll talk about black community because I think that that is a tool to join people's thought together who don't necessarily agree <laughs> on the same mm-hmm. way of thinking, but I think as people really understand that you have two subsets, you have people who are outside of the so-called black community who are trying to find their voice to atone for wrongs committed. And so it comes across as like pandering and patronizing. Mm -hmm. You have that subset, but then you have this expectation in the black community that somehow whites are and whites as i use it as they use it because i understand when you use that term there's just so much ethnicity uh ethnicity uh that is in that term but that somehow they're above moral grievances uh it's almost like the shock within the black community that white people quote unquote have committed this atrocity to me i think that's a form of slavery kind of thinking that a certain group of people uh, are somehow held to the standard where they should not be committing certain mm-hmm. atrocities toward people. And I'm going, you're feeding into the very mindset of so-called white supremacy unwittingly. Right. You somehow think, oh, well, well, well we, we can kill each other because of the conditions in our society. But when the white man kills us, oh, that should not have happened. Something, something was breached. You know, right. in society is falling apart when, when, when quote unquote white folks are killing us. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, what kind of, you know, what kind of inferiority complex are you dealing with where you don't think every man who is outside of uh, moral governance and who is outside of, and even for a community that claims to be distinctly Christian, outside of confessing the Lord, of, uh, Lord Jesus Christ as, as their Lord and Savior, uh, how would you think that those individuals are? somehow exempt from inflicting harm and murder 
mm-hmm. and all these other things. Like there's this great shock that I believe plays into a self-pity and a self-loathing that says somehow we expect a certain ethnicity to be above inflicting harm or we somehow expect that they are the harms that they have inflicted are somehow greater than the ones we have inflicted. You know, to me, I'm going both sides of that coin. And then you have outside this secular humanist group on both ethnic uh, boundaries, uh, really just pandering to the thought and saying, uh, you know, basically us white people have killed you guys, go get them, go loot, go steal, go pillage. Well, they're talking to you like that because that's how they view you. They think that that's what you're capable of because you can't give rational thought. And so you have people who you are siding with. I'm talking about both the BLM movement and people who would ascribe to certain things that they're being guided and directed by the finances of the so-called white establishment to loot, pillage, (laughs) protest, beg, grovel, steal, do all these things because somehow you can't affect legislation. So this is how your voice is going to be heard. And they're playing that game and pitting you against the very solutions that I'm referring to today. And then there's some within the so-called black community. And I'm talking about the concept of race mm-hmm. and racism, because that's the politicians playing the game that are saying, well, we have to turn against everyone who is giving rational thought, logical conclusions, a biblical worldview because somehow that has been perverted in the past. And so to me, it's this game of pitting people who might have actual frustrations Mm -hmm. about things and turning them against one another away from a biblical worldview towards secular human humanist mentality. Like people expect you to act like animals and that should make you more frustrated than uh, than thinking that that leads to some solution. Right. You're, you're just playing into the stereotypes that have already been to the narrative set up for you. Where, where people were, and, and honestly, even this campaign, you know, I'm seeing people who, who, who I, who I love and who I care about, you know, with the, 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 we are black men montages that we're seeing. And mm-hmm. the, you know, the fact that, you know, media is so powerful and social media is extremely powerful. Um, and technology is powerful. That's why we use it as a platform as we do. But even people to make you think, and I'm talking about people who are saying they're Christians, to make you think that you have to identify yourself as that to gain some kind of advantage. Mm-hmm. To me, that's walking right back into the segregationist kind of mindset. Uh, it's like you said earlier, you begin to segregate yourself. Um, and, you know, and, and, and the early leaders such as uh, W.E.B. Du Bois and, uh, you know, Booker T. Washington and others mm-hmm. were beginning to think that way. And even later on, we, we perhaps need to talk about even, uh, you know, I had posted about it where, where Malcolm X had come to. And I don't believe he came to a biblical worldview, which, which just burdens my heart because he was such an intelligent man. But, but I do believe what he came to was the very goal of my melanin tone does not vindicate me nor does my melanin tone exempt me. And he found that out because he was pursued from the very people who look like him. From his own people. He was pursued. He was pursued by people. He spent 13 years trying to build up with his own hands um, to the death. And so, and so 
you know, to me, it's people have to get past the jargon. And, 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 and I'll tell you, even those who are, 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 you know, I would say, uh, so for those who would categorize themselves as black brothers and sisters in Christ, who know and love and honor the Lord Jesus, stay away from this stuff. I mean, that's the best way I can tell you, you know, I, I love you. And I, I really think that when you look at the concepts of race, don't, don't filter yourself through that based on the past atrocities. Look at the past atrocities in light of where it's brought you to today. I would say that that's the way to be a thankful people. If you're going to identify with any ethnic, um, any ethnic and historical situations, that's the first thing um, to, to white brothers and sisters, white, so to speak. Right. I mean, those who are confessing yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ, I would say to you in the same way, stop, avoid this stuff, um, avoid it and avoid it in such a way as this you don't have an existential obligation to call out things because um, you a either experienced them and, and B now you can't call out something because you haven't experienced it. That's not what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. If you have objective truth in God's word, you can refute those who contradict what's written in it, no matter where they come from. So you don't have to walk on eggshells. And, you know, obviously that conviction is not coming from me as an individual, somehow speaking for a community behind me. I'm talking to you from the biblical standpoint, from the Bible. I'm right. hidden in Christ. And so I'm giving you uh, what the scripture would, uh, would put before you. So, you know, if you see people practicing prejudice across all persuasions, speak very plainly. Mm -hmm. Yes, you may sacrifice relationships. You may sacrifice standing on that front. Uh, but I'll tell you that you are then doing the Lord's work on that side. And even to our brothers and sisters uh, who would, who would uh, categorize themselves as black, I understand the frustration. I understand that you have fed into the constructs of racism and you think that maybe we're over nuancing things. And I would say we're not. Um, and I would challenge anyone perhaps to find your way over to contact me and I'm not going to respond to Coon and all this other stuff. I'm just not, it won't bother me. You can do it until your heart's content. You can punch holes in your own walls if that's what makes you uh, feel comfortable with yourself. I'm not obligated to respond to that kind of thinking, but if you oh. contact me and say, I want to, I want to discuss this. I want to have a discussion with you, brother. I want to sure. talk about this. I love you. I would love to do that. Praise God. You know, that we're going to sit down and we'll work as long as it takes. We'll work through this, but I would tell you, right. don't feed into the secular construct, the human, uh, the humanistic secular construct that is making you turn on people in the same way that uh, that you're trying to uphold a certain form of justice. You're now putting yourself in position where you may find yourself as the oppressor. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying you're there, but I'm saying you can end up there. And then for those of you who don't want to hear my voice, I pray that there's a certain temporal permanence to this to these broadcasts where if I can't reach you, I hope I reach your children. I hope I reach the people who come after you who listen and say, I'm not going to continue this. I'm not going to feed into this. Uh, it takes courage. It takes courage. People are going to hate you. They're going to dislike you. Uh, it takes courage. Uh, I would say on all sides that people have the opportunity in the society in which we live to impact that society, uh, to those of you who belong to Christ, to do so in such a way that you bring honor and glory, whatever you do, whether eat or drink, you bring glory to his name. Um, I think that that exists for every individual. Is it disproportionate in its execution? Sure. But I believe that you stand in a position, even to many of our young people, 
to go to the strong for strength, those who are sound in the faith, and go to them and say, how do I impact the things that are in front of me? And how do I start to tear down the constructs of so-called racism and other secular humanist constructs uh, that exist today that are really assaulting uh, the Messiah himself? Uh, I don't think you can tear it down in a day, but I, and I don't think you have to necessarily revise history, pretend you know the Jim Crow era didn't happen. Mm -hmm. I think you have to look at those things and see where men are either trying to manufacture or superimpose the past on the present to somehow, uh, to somehow come to the argument that we're experiencing the same kind of conditions. Uh, I'll tell you, I've sat down in the past with, uh, with those who were my, my relatives in the past and other individuals uh, who have lived during that era. And I'll tell you that I, I believe the one agreement that if people just step out of the Trumpism and Obamaism and just really look at where we are as a society before all these other things kind of hit and the riots and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but if you look that there has been a certain level of, 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 of progress um, and it may not be as quickly as you want it to be. And no one promised that it would be quick. Uh, but I believe that there's progress. I believe that people are educated um, that they're able to educate themselves across all ethnic persuasions. I believe that, uh, there is a, a level of endurance and perseverance uh, that perhaps uh, Black Americans have to exercise because there's a lot of baggage that is that they're laden and burdened with, and mm -hmm. and and but the rest doesn't come from resting in either the bitterness of that or the past history of it. It comes from resting in Christ. You go to Him to rest, and so I, I you know, I really think. Am I addressed to them? Because again, I, I know that they would say, well, why is he saying them? I mean, you know, we, <laughs> or, or why, why is he talking to us that way? And, you know, honestly, it's my love for the beauty of, of the, of, of the so-called black culture. I believe that there is some beauty in it. There's also some horrific lot, things that have taken lot. place, but there's some beauty. Um, you know, there's some things that just stimulates the, the five senses, you know, yes. and, and, and there's some, there's some beautiful things uh, within the black culture. And I'm going to let all of that be hijacked for political gain. No, sir. To begin both a class and so-called race war in, in the name of, 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 of whatever it is, struggle, past offenses, slights, injustices. Mm. I'm going, though, you can't vicariously live through every injustice uh, that's being done. And if that injustice is done toward you, uh, I believe that you have to be confronted with the question, is there one greater than myself to whom I've committed injustices and needed to be forgiven? The answer for every man is going to be yes. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at this from a biblical worldview and God himself. So God yeah. himself tears down the construct of racism. And you have a lot of people doing podcasts and blogs and other things, just using secular arguments and secular terminology. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, and, and one side is throwing it out there going, ah, see, okay, now, now, <laughs> now I got the argument to bolster my, my particular sins. Then you have another right. side going, ah, see, you have, and, and to me, none of that's helpful. And I hope that in this episode that we have with, with both a balanced and steady hand, and yet a bold and compassionate voice. I hope that we've tried to bring in a lot of the uh, uh, hostilities that we're seeing and at least account for why they should continue no more. And, mm -hmm. and be patient with us. We have to do this over time because uh, this has been uh, something that has been, uh, that has 
that it, that has been festering for quite some time. So. Yeah. And just one last closing statement, and then I'll uh, get us out of here. But um, if if you're waiting for a, another ethnicity to treat you as equal, know that because God made you in his image, you are already equal with all men. You already have equal standing with all men because you're made in the image of God. So don't don't sell yourself short by waiting on another ethnicity to say, okay, yeah, you're equal to us. To validate you. Right. You don't you don't need a, a, a group or an individual to validate you. You you've been created in the image of God and you are equal to all men. So that's it for this episode. I think we covered quite a bit of stuff, but we still have a long way to go. Um, so in the next, I wrote down a lot of things that came up in this episode that we'll be covering in next episodes. Some of those things are the history of liberation theology, you know, starting with South America and what was going on in South America and then how Black liberation theology piggybacks off of that. Um, we're going to talk about James Cone and the Black church. We'll talk about, uh, Duran mentioned black community. So we'll be talking about black community as well. Uh, cultural Marxism, we'll be touching on that. And we'll be also be talking about the ideologies of the past. We mentioned W.E.B. Du Bois, you know, Frederick Douglass, Carter G. Woodson, Booker T. Washington. You know, we'll even do an episode probably to look at, see how those guys viewed, um, because they they were, coming up in a time where segregation was still there and they were coming up in a time where racism was way more or, or should I say ethnic prejudice was way more of an issue than it is now and then of course we'll always conclude our episodes Any, anything we talk about we will conclude with a final episode where we just go straight through the Bible and we see what the Bible says about all of these issues and we'll exegetically go through passages of the Bible to help you see biblically what, what a, a true worldview, a biblical worldview looks like and, and how it plays out in society today. Absolutely. So with that being said, of course, I want to thank my brother Duran for going on this ride with me. I also want to thank Eric, Eric Powers, Mike Wellen, and, and Matthew Lawrence for their support of this podcast and also for the things that they do in writing articles and preaching and ministering to God's people through the Biblical Christ Research Institute and the Lord's Church and the Biblical Christ Church. Um, and we ask that those of you who um, are blessed, even if you're not blessed by <laughs> the things that we say and you don't agree with what we say, still pray for us. Because, I mean, as Deron said, if we're your enemies, the Bible says pray for your enemies, too. So <laughs> we ask all of you just to con just continue to pray for us. And if, you, if you're not praying for us, we ask you to begin praying for us, that God would continue to give us the, the boldness to proclaim his truth in love, of course, because we love all people. Um, so you all be blessed, and you have a, a great week. And we pray that uh, you will be blessed and edified by what you hear today. Listen.
This has been Train of Thought, a podcast of the Biblical Christ Research Institute. For our written articles, go to bcri.wordpress.com. And for sermons, go to SoundCloud and search Biblical Christ Church. Thanks for listening.